Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amateur Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffy the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you, listeners, so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, we will jump pretty quickly into the Week 7 Postview podcast here. Uh, of course, we always have a little bit of a couple quick topics here. Um, kind of too positive, too negative is basically how it'll work out. Start with we got to be old. We got to be old man yelling at the clouds for yeah. a minute, and then yeah. bring it back. You know, old soul, old man yelling at cloud. First of all, as I, as we're recording this, the the last finishing touches on the Iowa DePaul women's basketball game played in Kinnick. It's it is a cool scene. I mean, I, even if you're not a Hawkeye fan or a women's basketball fan, that is a pretty cool looking little scene right there. Okay, now we will jump into the negative stuff right here. I've already we've already kind of you know, yelled about this on the pod. I, I want to have a special segment to yell about it. And that, of course, is the cock. I, I, I was trying to have fun calling it P, pause, cock. Jordan, I, you were basically the one that just said the cock. And I think calling Peacock the cock, it, it, it's more fun. I like that a little bit more. And well, and it's it's just very fitting for the type of product you get. It's really just dick. Like, it's just <laughs> not good at all. So <laughs> it is a mushy disgusting dick like and i wrote out a couple things that i dislike okay i'm sure this is my number one i'm sure you me and i'm gonna say somewhere around 99.7 percent of the people listening to this podcast that are probably mostly dudes your favorite remote in your own you know living space it's like an extension of your hand right you know every you you can get to the numbers like guide you yep. know whatever you need to do i don't need to look at that thing so when i have the cock on my main tv when it goes when the game goes to commercial i just instinctively hit back to go to you know i want to see what scroll. Else like scroll. for me on youtube yep. i hit down because that gets me the last four or five things that i went to you can't do that anymore and the second you do it it freezes the cock the cock goes oh, yeah. limp and <laughs> Oh my God, it drives me nuts every single time. Like, and like <laughs> if you were, let's say you were on the main floor of my house, because I'm in the, the DAC, the downstairs athletic club, watching the, the football, if you, you would suddenly just hear me burst out in swear words, that's what it is, you know, unless I was playing. That's a that's a completely different thing. But that that's me. That that's me screaming about the cock. Um the, the other thing too is. You can't just like pause or rewind really quick. Maybe there's just like something you really want to watch, right? To to freeze. It seems, it seems like there's an extra delay on it. Yes, I don't know. And I have good. I mean, I stream everything. I have good service here. I don't ever have issues with it. But if it's on there, it's awful. Um. Yes. Concur. And then the, the commercials, like they're just off. You know what I mean? Like like, the and then they run out of they run out of commercials. So so then there's just the awkward part. Like, dude, it's it's not ready for prime time, man. This is no. this is not good enough. You know, whoever uh, whoever developed that platform was like, yeah, we'll be ready to launch in three years. And like, oh, we're going in six months, and they just shit their pants. Like, yeah. Oh, well, here you go. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but there's this like weird quotient that I do in my head with what games I want to put a little financial fun on it. Right. And, you know, part of it is games that I feel obviously good about, you know, I mean, those, those are, those go on the ledger right away. But the other one is like, okay, what do I got going on before or after the Iowa game? And I want to entertain myself if I don't have a rooting, rooting interest, something in to it. keep you vested. Absolutely. Correct. Okay. I am now going to take time to make sure that that game is not on the cock because I don't want to be pulled into the cock. I can't, I can't take I, it's done. It, that's a part of my my gambling situation right now. I mean, I actively try to avoid the cock, so I get it. Yep. Um, and then an extension of the cock, of course, is the NBC crew. Uh, they called the the you know they called. I think it was the Iowa Purdue game last weekend. I. I, I, it could have been Michigan. I think it was Iowa Purdue. It was and, Iowa Purdue. Okay. And I remember thinking like, oh boy, these guys really are fired up to do the Iowa Purdue game. You know, like just kind of taking it, viewing it through the lens of an Iowa or probably a Purdue fan. Oh no, that's not the case because they called the Notre Dame 
USC game as if it was a funeral. That's how bad it's Jason Garrett and the Collinsworth kid. Sounds just like his dad. And like, they're horrible. It like, there's no inflection on big plays and things. Oh, it's, it's, there is, there is more energy and excitement in a retirement home bingo hall (laughs) than what you get on that broadcast. And I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) Don't, hey, don't bat your eye at, at a good bingo. The bingo's fun. Oh, That's I'm telling time. you, oh, yeah. some of them old people will hit you with a damn cane if you're <laughs> if you're being too loud. I mean, yeah, yep. it gets intense. It's just not good. By the way, the elder Collinsworth on NBC, you know, like I don't mind him at all. I think he, no. I think he does a good he job. Fine. And maybe if you put, I don't know what the younger Collinsworth. I don't know what his first name is. Um, if you put him with somebody else other than Jason Garrett, it might be Jason Garrett. That's mushing the thing mostly himself with his just lack of desire. I wouldn't want him as a coach either. He bores the bejesus out of me. I just I don't I don't I don't dislike him. I don't think he's an a-hole. I he just does not draw me into the broadcast. It almost just feels like he's trying to dumb it down. Like he feels like I have to talk simple because I'm talking to people instead of players. But it's yeah. like the majority of people that are watching this are fans and you can talk ball and they'll it's understand fine. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's the impression I get. Like he's trying to dumb it down for people. That that's a good guess. I would say more than anything. I I just think naturally he's just kind of a wet blanket. That that would be my guess. So. Maybe that's why he's not coaching anymore. I think it has something to do with it. Um, so there was the negatives. Now the positive. Uh, we we can't talk too much on this, but oh man, I made a plot. My first pot of chili for the fall, as we discussed. I, I hit my mark. I hit it on Friday night. Jordan, I'm dead. I'm dead serious. I have ate only chili since Friday night. I mean, all day Saturday, I had chili for lunch today. On Sunday, you inspired the family, the Greek family. We're gonna have chili dogs today See? with it the kids. Out. I, I can't wait because um, eventually, you know, you get to the point of like, okay, I've had enough chili, but I still have chili left. What am I gonna do with this? Well, yeah, chili dogs because you still get a little uh, bit of the chili, but you yeah. change it up and you get that dog in there, and it's just perfect. I, I will. I'm with you. Got all the groceries and stuff that I didn't have here. Mine is next weekend. Next gotcha. Friday, my pot of chili will be made. I mean, Michigan, Michigan State week. It only makes Perfect. sense to the household to have it ready for that night oh. game. So next weekend is my chili weekend, and I will be very happy to Good. overindulge just like you did. I oh boy, did I overindulge? Especially today, I I had too much. But man, I you know, and and um the and of course all the kind of you know the the. Funny jokes that go wrong with with chili consumption, you know the gas th- that comes along with it. But here's the deal: I, I don't put any or hardly. I had one can of chili beans left over, so I, I tossed it in because you know I don't know when it was gonna go bad or whatever. And I guess that's te- Texas chili is when you don't put beans on it. That's what I was told on Twitter a thousand times. But if you just go with tomatoes and meat, it's basically just straight protein, man. You know, like and I, it's not so bad for you. I don't think I, and i just don't get tired of eating it man i just i just kept dishing up bowls it was fantastic i mean i have i i got beans in my chili but okay. i'm not we don't need to get into the whole the details food takes on chili here that's fine hey, chili, got, chili i'll eat anybody's i'll try anybody's absolutely and i got i got no issues with beans i want to make sure i just you know if it's my if it's my chili i'm gonna go a little bit light in the beans all right like i said we uh maybe we'll do a chili conversation deeper in the offseason bring yeah. Kurt in get, I'm sure he get I'm big sure Kurt involved I'm oh sure my. we'll get some, does he put prunes in his chili stay <laughs> tuned and find out fantastic all right let's move on to the games this weekend we had six Big Ten games three early on Saturday three games in the afternoon none in the evening three big teams were idle this week the Minnesota Golden Gophers Nebraska Cornhuskers and Northwestern Wildcats all of these games were on Saturday October 14th first game up Michigan 52 Indiana 7 the Wolverines with 407 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers 232 the Hoosiers jumped out to a 7 to nothing lead uh, briefly we talked on the last podcast about maybe there's a wrinkle or two put in with the new offensive coordinator I think you saw that at first, yep. Indiana was it wasn't just the trick play. Indiana was oh no, they were moving, moving the ball early. They on. were moving they were. the ball. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I was gonna say this to you in text, but I, I was gonna wait till the podcast. I I love you, man. You're you're a great dude. But at the time, I'm like, good. You know what? Life's going a little bit too easy for Jordan. <laughs> I, I want him, I want him to get a little bit sweaty here for once. Uh I mean, it was 
uh, seven to seven deep into the first half. I mean, deep into the first mm-hmm. half. Oh, absolutely. And then the floodgates just pretty much opened up from there. Well, I think, yeah, a lot of it was Indiana's defense came out early on, and that was the Indiana defense we saw from early in the year. They were they were aggressive. They were shooting gaps. They were making plays. I mean, you kept seeing Casey all over the field. That dude was in on every play. And I think eventually Michigan just did what they do to all these teams, and eventually just wore them down. But that, that was no smoke and mirrors early in that game. No. Indiana was fighting. Indiana was making plays on both sides of the ball, and it gave Michigan trouble. But, yep. you know, having said that, it did turn into a 52-point or 52 consecutive points. Yeah. So I think yeah. it was a little bit of where the talent just overwhelmed and that Michigan defense made some more adjustments. I mean, we saw Minnesota last week, same thing, have some success. The defense makes adjustments, and then they just suffocated, and then all the turnovers started, and it it got out of hand. But yep. not Minnesota, taking anything from Indiana. They were no, they, they were making plays. Speaking of speaking of Minnesota, the PJ bullet constrictor comment. It's 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 a great descriptor. I mean, it came out again. Couple ball constrictor stats here for you. Most of these are from Dave Resnan for the Big Ten Network. Michigan uh, with a 38 points in Big Ten play, three games in a row, tied themselves and a couple other Ohio State fans uh, for the most times in a row doing it in Big Ten history at three. Ohio State has the record at four, four times in a row scoring 38 points or more. So Michigan has the chance to tie that next weekend, and we know who you play. The other stat from Dave Resnan. Michigan, the first Big Ten team, team to score 30 points or more and allow 14 points or less for the first time in seven games since 05, 1905, the first time that that's yeah. happened. If you want more stats to prove how boa constrictory Michigan is, there's a couple more for you right there. Well, I mean, a lot and a lot of the talk early on in the season was Penn State, you know, was doing this. They were scoring a whole bunch of points, the 30-point streak. The other side of it, though, is they weren't keeping teams into single digits, and that's where that's where the complete side of what Michigan's doing is yep. so impressive because it's not just putting up 30, it's keeping them under 10, which yeah. I, mean, I don't care who you're playing, opponent invariant there, that's, that's just impressive. Yeah, because all it takes is one little matchup thing where one team is strong yep. at something and then they exploit it. You see that all the time in college football. Even if you see it early in the game, as we've talked about, Michigan just stamps it out. This is these are things that Michigan is doing. Um, I'm not, I swear, I always keep saying the same thing. It's not like I'm trying to appease my podcast partner. If they if Michigan was struggling at something, I would call up for it. There's nothing to point out at this point. Yeah. Um, J.B. McCarthy. I mean, it's pretty incredible not to steal your stat here, real quick. But 14 of 17, 222 yards, three touchdowns. That means he had as many incompletes three. As touchdowns thrown, it's great. I mean, that's, the, that's the more impressive part. Of, the more impressive part of that whole thing was his first two passes were incompletions. Oh, so he was that okay. So he went fourteen of fifteen to finish the game. Yeah, like that's and the high. weather wasn't great. It was raining. Yeah, and I think I think like the numbers that JJ's putting up are not like they're not eye popping numbers. They're not the Penix that we've seen out west, but. People are starting to take notice I so. because I don't know if you saw it this morning, but the new Heisman odds are out. And guess who's now second in Heisman odds? Really? He's JJ, that high. JJ McCarthy okay. is now second in Heisman odds at plus a thousand. Interesting. Second I'm or still, third, depending on where you look. I think it's a gap between Penix and the field. If I if if I would guess, I haven't seen the odds. But okay. he's climbing up those ranks. Yeah. So people are starting to notice that what he's doing may not be the eye popping, but it's just efficient. Um, team rushing 42 carries, 163 yards, four point or 3.9 yard average, uh, four sacks, eight TFLs for the Michigan defense. Um, the, the Indiana quarterbacks, obviously just going through their stats. It's not even worth it. They were just bad. The only touchdown pass came for wide receiver Donovan, uh, McCauley, 33 carries, 92 yards on the ground for Indiana. There was a little bit of excitement early and that was it. That that was. The I do think I do game. think that Sorsby looked to be the more consistent out of the two between him and Jackson. Jackson had three of the turnovers, I yeah. believe. So yeah. and, and, and Sorsby seemed to be the one that moved the ball a little bit better early on. But yeah, both of them were were very wolf at times. But in the end, it was pretty much the game uh, we were expecting. I had Indiana in the points uh, when they were up seven to nothing, and then deep into the second quarter, you were getting forty and a half points at that point, and I thought. I feel pretty good about my Indiana pick in the points. And then it evaporated pretty quick. And that's sometimes <laughs> just how she goes. 
With the win, Michigan moves to an impressive 7-0. With the loss, the Hoosiers fall to 2-4. and Next up, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and we are officially on Tommy A. Watch if they lose that game right there. All right, sticking in to the early games, Rutgers 27, Michigan State 24. The Scarlet Knights with 295 yards of total offense to the Spartans, 245 Let me reset this for anybody that was not watching this game. This was typically people say it was a tale of two halves. This was more a tale of three quarters to one. What do I mean? Michigan State was up 24 to three entering the fourth corner quarter. Excuse me. That is that is that's three touchdowns for people that are, are having troubles following the math. How did that go down then? A blocked punt for a touchdown 24 to 10. Nowhere on offense uh, for Michigan State. Rutgers gets the ball back. Suddenly, Gavin Wimsett finds himself for the first time today. The offense goes down the field. Touchdown by Wimsett. We are now 24-17. to 17. And then a, I could be off a little bit there, 24. And then muffed kickoff return. Next play, the fun guy, Kyle Manungai, runs it in for a touchdown. And just like that, Rutgers has the lead. So... I, I, I joked with you very briefly on text that I was going to compare Michigan State to my five-year-old, okay? <laughs> and you laugh, but let me explain. My five-year-old, most of the time, is a really happy-go-lucky, funny dude. He's the one that gives the Big Ten game of week. That's that's my five-year-old, okay? Everybody loves this this little dude, okay? Until he melts down. And then the <laughs> meltdown is so destructive that he can ruin everything that is happening in the room that he is in. Now, he's that's not just germane to my five-year-old. That's many five-year-olds. I get that. But, like, that's Michigan State. Because, Jordan, inside these stats and these games is a pretty darn good Michigan State team. I see it. They have a stout defense at times. They have explosive players at times on offense. But when the wheels fall off, they don't just wobble. They all four fly off and go in opposite directions. Sparks fly and everything falls apart. And it's turnovers. It's it's crazy. I, I, and it's rare that you get such a feast or famine with one team. So you had your five-year-old as an analogy. What, what immediately comes to mind for me, and some of the old souls will appreciate this, is Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. <laughs> Wiley Coyote always has these amazing plans, right? And they they look perfect on paper, and they're going to work, and he's going to catch the roadrunner. Well, that's Michigan State. They've got this perfect plan, and it's working, and it looks great. And all of a sudden, here comes Rutgers, a.k.a. the roadrunner, and he runs up to him, he looks at him, and he just goes beep, beep, and he runs by, and everything implodes on him in yeah. a blink. That's exactly what this game was. I mean, Michigan State had it under control. One thing exploded. And the whole thing went down the toilet. It was a beautiful car wreck as a football fan, like a, a, or a beautiful car wreck as a Michigan fan. Let's. Well, I mean, yes, yeah. Michigan State fans are probably ready to jump off a cliff, but yeah. just to watch it all unfold, it's just like you almost couldn't believe that it was happening. And I think it's all more... of the pieces that happened. It was just like how, but 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 how? this, but it just happened against Iowa. Recently, I know, you know, and <laughs> and, and, and like, not just, and I mean, Washington. It. You know that's that's that was Washington. Yeah, but that's like, a different. That's but a different there, situation. there's been, and then there's even the, some of the games they've won. It's it's been feast or famine inside the game. It was it was competition, but I mean, Noah Kim either hurt or benched or I'm not exactly real sure. But Kaden Hauser comes in 18 of 29, only 133 yards, but two touchdowns. Had a uh, nice pull and carry for a running touchdowns. He had three touchdowns on the game. They looked efficient and yep. good. The defense was shutting Rutgers down for three quarters, and then the turnovers. And it's just it it it's great. It's crazy because like it's just like the the turnovers seem to be. It just crippled them to the point that the defense forgot how to tackle. I know. It, it I mean, was I know Man- Kyle Manunga is an amazing running back. But there, he was. It was arm tackles. Like there, the defense was completely different when those turnovers started. It's like Agree. this team just can't handle the controversy, or it can't handle those big plays that swing against them for some yep. reason. Which is weird because there's so much experience on this Michigan State team. It's yeah. not like they're playing a bunch of freshmen. There's no, a lot of juniors and seniors out. There. And that's why I think you see the good stuff. Uh, Gavin Wimsett 
Not great stats. 13 of 28, 181 yards, one touchdown, two picks, but he was good when he needed to. Um, and our guy, the, the, the fun guy, Calvin Dunn guy, uh, Eisman candidate this week, 24 carries, 148 yards. That's a 6.2 yard average, one touchdown with a lot of that coming late in the game. In oh, the fourth he, quarter he, when he, turned he single-handedly milked that game away. They said, um, okay, we've got a lead. We need to end this clock. And they just kept feeding him the ball and nobody could tackle him. Uh, Michigan State, 41 carries, 112 yards, only a 2.7-yard average. Nathan Carter did not have the hot hand. That was Jalen Berger. 11 carries, 49 yards. I don't know what to say. Um, Rutgers deserves the win. It was a culture program win. Um, 100%. I, I shared the video of of uh, Greg Schiano in the yeah. locker room. You know, I, I, I sometimes a lot of those, you know, head coaching, you know, Unless it's your team is what I'm trying to say. If it's your team, you, you get drawn in. If it's somebody else's team, it's kind of hard to draw you in. Shiano drug drug me in with that speech. It, it, dude, it was it was good. You know, like th- this big. You can tell n- nobody loves Rutgers football in Jersey more than Shiano. So it, it's hard to hate Rutgers. Everybody was against Rutgers. Kick them out of the Big Ten. All that shit before the season. The only thing they've done is responded by being a sound, tough tough-minded football team. I'm cheering for them, except for one Saturday coming up here. And it's like, it's, it's exactly like you said, and you've said about other teams this season. Take away when you play the big three teams in the Big Ten, because what those teams are doing to all these teams, the same thing. Take that Michigan game away from Rutgers and look at what they've done yep. on the rest of their season. They have been in or won every single game that they're playing in. They're not getting, like, that game against Wisconsin last week was a prime example. They should have old Rutgers gets run out of the building yep. in that game, but they fought back. Same thing here. Old Rutgers gets run out of this building, and this game isn't close. But, no, they fight back. They get a win. They deserve the win. They deserve the credit. I am rooting for them to get to a bowl game. I've been a Rutgers fan all season. I'm standing on it. I hope this team gets that bowl game because they deserve it. And because all of those things, Rutgers gets the win and moves to five and two, one game away from bowl eligibility with the loss. Sparty falls to a frustrating two and four. Last game in the evening, Ohio State 41, Purdue seven. The Buckeyes with 486 yards of total offense. So the Boilermakers 257. Jordan is giggling at me because he knows what I'm going to say next. Hit my Amador lock again. You, you, you even tried to kind of talk me out of that at the beginning of the week, Jordan. I had Buckeye fans trying to talk me out of this. Nobody could talk me out of this. This was my lock of the week. It hit. What did I think I was going to see? It's what I saw. A Buckeye front seven savaging this extremely weak and struggling Purdue offensive line. That was it. That was the pretty much story of the game. It was on the cock. So I was I was stuck watching this entire thing because I couldn't flip off of even if I tried. And, and even with a couple frustrating blown scoring opportunities by Ohio State, that's right, they won 41-7 with a couple blown opportunities, you still felt like they were in control um, the whole game. And and again, it's, it's, it's because of that Buckeye defense, which maybe it's going to take next week, but at some point more people nationally – need to start recognizing how good this Buckeye defense is. It's a, it's a, it's a really good squad. I agree with you there. The defense has done, they've done nothing but improve every week and get better and better. Now I, I'm curious if I would have told you that a, a Mecca Ibuka, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams all didn't play and that Chip Traynham would get hurt right. early on in the game. Would you still feel as confident about your lock of the week? I did not. And I had heard rumblings that Travion Henderson was going to play that, that, played into it when I heard he wasn't playing because you get the two hours before everything's already locked in with your financial friend there. There's not much you can do sure. at, at that point. Jerks. Um, I was like, okay, I didn't like to hear that news. I still felt good. I thought, okay, with the weather and him being out of the game, maybe they're going to win it like 31 to seven is what I thought. It's still going to be, it's still going to be a cover, just not as much 20 to nothing at halftime. I think it was. The rushing stats for Ohio State, 39 carries, 152 yards, just a 3.9-yard average. We got a couple sacks and other negative plays worked in there. I never got the feeling that Ohio State had any issues running the ball, which was another thing I was expecting to see. This game was more about Ohio State, you know, forcing their will on Purdue, but it was also a lot of about a Purdue team that just does not have the ponies to compete right now 
with most teams in this in this conference. Yeah, and I say I said I, I'm saying what I did because it's it's more impressive to me because your number two wide receivers out, your number one and number two running back are out, three running back gets hurt, so you're down to four and five on your running back, and your offense still moved the ball and was very efficient. So I've been critical of this offense. I'm going to continue to be critical of this offense because I think it's no secret this Purdue defense isn't exactly light years ahead of other teams. But having said that, those weapons out, that hurts a lot of teams. And a lot of teams' offense would struggle with that. And this Ohio State team didn't. They did what they were supposed to do. They went into an environment where historically they've struggled, and they didn't. They didn't have any issues, and they let their defense carry them, and the offense just was opportunistic and made plays when it needed to. Dallin Hayden is that running back that was next man up. 11 carries, 76 yards. That's a 6.9-yard average. He had a touchdown. Kyle McCord, another Kyle McCord stat line. 16 to 28, 276 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Marvin Harrison, of course, caught the team high with the balls. Uh, uh, Six catches, 105 yards, one touchdown. He looked better. Um, Like, Purdue's back seven isn't great but they do challenge challenge you i thought mccord looked very comfortable that was the most comfortable i'd seen throwing the ball that which is a big step up for that buckeye fans want to see before next week the other thing that i love that ryan day did was mix in devin brown he had one uh uh, one uh, completion on two attempts 58 yards but it was a touchdown but devin brown also carried the ball that added a little bit of wrinkle to the Ohio State offense, suddenly bringing Devin Brown in and going back and forth between the two, something Penn State suddenly has to prepare for a little bit. I thought oh, that, that wasn't was a, by accident. No, 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 no. It wasn't no. gamesmanship. I, move one hundred percent. Gamesmanship, and this is we're going to do this, and and because if you're that low on running backs, you simply need to find other ball carriers that you feel comfortable with handling the ball. Like you, 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 running back isn't that easy. You can't just keep. You know, handing like going down the depth chart, pass pro, and all the things that go into being a running back, it's a little bit more complicated. So that was some fun stuff you saw out of Ohio State um, with Purdue. Team rushing, thirty-five carries, one hundred twenty-three yards, three point five yard average. I mean, poor Hudson Card, thirteen of thirty-two, one hundred twenty-six yards, touchdown, no pick. That guy's got my respect, man. Like we we were, you know, talking him up before the season. I still see the good quarterback in there. Uh, he he's just he's just running for his life. I mean, I, I yeah, I, he's it, got. I mean, yeah, he's like running for his life is an understatement. It seems like it's snap and chuck and duck. Like it it's, is, it's bad. It, it is bad. With the win, Ohio State moves to six and zero. With the loss, Purdue falls to two and five. Their bowl eligibility on life support. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game to Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving in to the afternoon. Here we go. Illinois, 27. Maryland, 24. The Illini with 337 yards of total offense to the Terps, 380. Yikes. We had a big upset in the Big Ten on Saturday. Yeah, you know what? I need to, I, I need to go on one here for a minute because Mar- this was my lock of the week. Maryland minus 14. That was my lock of the week. Doesn't hit. Um, We got all kinds of grief on Twitter over recent weeks about not talking about Maryland enough and give Maryland their respect and – Blah, 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 whatever. This to me is just typical Maryland at this point. This game right here is why more podcasts or even us at times don't talk about Maryland in a higher light because you come off of a tough game against Ohio State, which you should lose because they are the better team. You're trying to build to that. But this is an Illinois team that's down and struggling. And if you want to be in that conversation and have people talk about you more on Twitter, looking at you, these Twitter turtle fans that like to talk, you got to win these games. You shouldn't be in a game with an Illinois team that is struggling this poorly. I mean, this is now what? Three years in a row where they've started out 4-0, 3-0, 5-0, and then they went 7-6, 8-5, and where is this now trending to after this loss? I mean, I don't think it's 8-5. I do think they can still get to nine wins, but... This is the kind of stuff that people are talking about with Maryland that drives them crazy, and it's, yeah. it's maddening to me. Um, proud of myself that I didn't take the cheese and make this my lock of the week. 
slight slight rub uh, to you there, but yeah, not proud thanks. of myself ultimately because I still took Maryland to to cover here. And let's say you know we should you know we should have took the Vegas warning uh, with this. They were kind of winking at us and saying, you know, we're bullish that we don't think Maryland's going to cover this. Let's say Maryland just ekes out a three or you know seven point win. No harm, no foul. Everybody right. would have said it was, you know, you you got yourself up for that Ohio State game. This is what happens in uh, college football. But they didn't. And and really, Illinois, to switch it back to them, just looked good. All right? They just looked better in this game. Um, a lot of the issues with Illinois is that um, uh, they were playing behind and then just sloppiness, you know, penalties and turnovers and stuff like that. Not maybe quite as bad as like Michigan State, but in the end, shooting themselves in the foot a lot. You just didn't see that this that much from Illinois. They played cleaner, and because of that, they were not only in the game, they were in control of the game most of the time, and that's why they won. They just looked better, and they played cleaner. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, and to Illinois, we said we wanted to, one of my bold takes from this past week's preview was I want to see some more of the young guys. As we saw some of that. Yep. This Caden Fagan, 19 good. carries, 84 yards and a touchdown. Hey, he's a, look he's good. a big Ran boy. hard, big, big physical back. I, you got to think, you got to think Beetle loves that. Like, yes. You got to think big pounding back. He's like, yeah, that's a guy we're going to see more of. So good on the Illini. Yep. Maybe they can, maybe they can write the ship a little bit and try to get, I mean, there's mm-hmm. still a shot to get Bo eligible here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, six and a half is their season total. There's pe- a lot of people that put some some shekels on that. That thing is back alive. Hey, they're not out of the Big Ten West race. Okay, let's 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 be honest here. Okay, it's not. We'll talk more about that on the end uh, at the end of the podcast. Um, Are you trying attack, to talk yourself back onto the ship? I I, 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 had a, I had a point that I was going to make last podcast, but we'll talk about it in the end here. Um, team rushing comes up, comes alive. Uh, 39 carries, 131 yards. Then Lukey Legs can go off of that. So then he's 16 to 28, 206 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He got 29 yards on the ground himself. Pat Bryan had a good day catching the ball. Isaiah Williams, your guy, had uh, four catches, 43 yards and a touchdown. Three sacks and four TFLs by the defense. It's it's a team game, right? And it all it was all a system-wide meltdown one way. Then it all looked better in this game. And partly because... Maryland just did not bring the fight on defense. Like I saw out of them, not only the first five wins, I saw them bring the fight to Ohio State, did not see the fight as much in this game, and that is a huge part of, of why Illinois looked good. Um, Maryland, Leah Viola was good, though. 27 of 39, 266 yards, two touchdowns. But the, the, the knock that I've actually seen from Terps fans, too, on Leah is when we need Leah, Leah – maybe doesn't come through as much as we'd like to. I'm not saying it was glaring in this game, but that was part of the story again and why Maryland wasn't able to pull out this win. I think he has a tendency to try to hit the home run every time. I agree. I agree. If he would just sometimes stay in the offense and trust your check down or trust your second or third read and not try to find that home run every time. There's times I saw him trying to extend a play that didn't need to be extended. He had four or five yards right in front of him. Right. Either run it and get the four or five or throw it, check down to their guy, get the four or five, keep the offense on schedule, and then your big plays come from that. He I just agree. seems like he has a home run hitter swing. He has to always hit it, and it's not good for an offense that needs to stay on schedule. No, I think it's a good take. I I bet Locks probably agrees with you on that. He was probably... extremely perturbed by the end. I mean, his look, the look on his face uh, during that game, man, he uh, the, would the, not the, want to be in that locker room no. after the game. The sideline cuts to Locks chewing ass is one of my favorite things to check out when I'm watching the Terps. But, yep. dude, it is incredible how much one win or one loss can change the tenor of not just that weekend, but like the whole season. Like, just this quickly, suddenly Illinois fans perked back up and are like, you know what? We still have some fun things that we can hit. Maryland fans just that quick are saying, "What? What? What are we? What? What are we left fighting for here? I what mean, are, what are we just, even doing here? What are we? It, it is just insane how quick that goes. Sometimes with the win, Illinois moves to three and four. With the loss, Maryland is still five and two. They're going to make a bowl. There's still some fun things to get out there. They just need to get back in the win column ASAP. Next game up, geez, Penn State sixty three. UMass zero. Damn it. 
when you brought up the point about James Franklin, I on the last podcast, we brought up the point about James Franklin knowing what the line is. My gut, as soon as you said that, said I should switch live on the podcast and take Penn State to cover. I'm so mad at myself that I did not do that. Now, that's not how the game went. There was no need for James Franklin to do anything. No, because this was not. just an absolute ambush. Nittany Lions, 408 yards to UMass is 109. That's a big stat gap. This is my guy, Perk. He was just, he feeds me stats, you know, at halftime. UMass had 26 yards on 26 plays. When that Penn State defense comes out, even I can work. tell you that's a one yard per play average. That's <laughs> good. It's good. My math, rudimentary buddy. math skills. That is, that is, that's bad. That's bad. Like, this was just an absolute completely different class of fighters ass whooping that that's what it was i, I mean i joked i joked on the preview that it was only, the umass minutemen were only going to last a minute i don't know that they <laughs> even did like this this might have been the half minute man they, it was, they didn't even get their clothes off yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was all said and done um penn state was seven sacks and 14 tfls drew aller 16 to 23 162 yards three touchdowns no pick theo johnson tight end Four catches, 66 yards, two touchdowns. Team rushing, 246 yards rushing on a 6.6-yard average. And yet still, the haters, and, and there are, there are haters. I think some of them are within the own Penn State fan base. Where's the explosive plays? Where's the explosive plays? That is still what I'm hearing. I I listened to uh, College Sports Radio driving out to the Apple Orchard uh, earlier this afternoon, and they were talking about, they were kind of talking some, some shit on on Penn State's offense. I'm like, they just put up 63 points. Like, I'm not saying UMass is a brick wall, but it just didn't seem like the timing. People are still trashing Penn State's offense. It's it's, it's a little bit weird. It's a man. It's because it's not the high flying, sexy USC's, the old school Ohio State's, the LSU. It's not that sexy offense that throws it all over the place and is it. It's not all the home runs. That's that's why people say this, but people can't understand the concept of complementary football. A and good running attack, yeah, a good a good rushing attack with a quarterback who stays on schedule and makes the plays that he has to make. Drew Allard doesn't do anything fancy, and you know what? He doesn't have to. No, he doesn't have to. Good, the right, the safe throw. So far, every single time this year, yes, he, he just great. hasn't made mistakes. Oh, and you know just- what? They're six and zero with a shot to be with a, a big game next week. Yep. That they win that and they're set up for the playoff. And that's what you need. You need a quarterback that doesn't put you behind the chains for a team like this because they have good running backs. They have a good offensive line. They have an elite defense. Like yep. people hate it because it's just not that sexy thing. So it's stupid. annoying because I can respect complimentary football. Yeah, and I mean. Fun big plays are exciting, like for everybody. Don't get me sure. wrong, but like I tell you this much: as a as somebody that's going against, like if I'm going against a team that is like Penn State, they pop a big play. You're like, okay, they hit a big play. Those things happen. You know what's really soul crushing when they always get four to six yards all the time because you're like, I we can't get them off the field. That's what your such is doing. They're they're just they're just crushing people's souls like that. Anyways, um, Daquan Hardy, uh, two punt return touchdowns in this game. If there was any threat to keep this under the game total or for UMass to, you know, to get the win with the points, that goes out the door. I can tell you one thing. I don't know what the percentage is when you score two touchdowns on defense or, or special teams of that team covering or going over, but it is a very high percentage. Uh, Daquan I'm sure Hardy, there's some stat nerd out there has got it somewhere. Somebody's got that somewhere. Daquan Hardy, two-part returns and a touchdown for a Big Ten player. First time that's happened since Kevontae Martin-Manley, Iowa, did it in 2013. So That's the biggest shocker in the world. Iowa yeah. has a special teams record. What? Had to, had to, had to work. I think I was at that game when Martin-Manley did that. So I don't know. Not much more to talk about here. There will be much more to talk about with Penn State next week. With the win, yep. Penn State moves to 6-0. and And James Franklin, uh, this is per Dave Revson as well, James Franklin is now 24-0. and out of conference games and out of conference games since being Penn State's head coach. I don't care who you are playing. You can't get any better than 24 up, 24 down. The guy gets a lot of a lot of crap for just being good. I, I and I would still go back and say Vanderbilt might be the best job coaching that he's done and dang near anybody's done. All right. That brings us to the big 10 game 
of the week. Iowa, 15. Wisconsin, 6. The Hawks with 237 yards of total offense. To the Badgers, 332. Pause. Ask question to my podcast partner. Obviously not an Iowa fan or a fan of any team in the Big Ten West. Has Iowa and Kirk Ferentz now, with this win, crossed an imaginary threshold where people are now just saying, you know what, I respect Iowa for continually winning games like this, or is this me trying to read through things on Twitter and see things that aren't there? I think people have just fully come to the realization that it's not going to change. Like, they're going to lean into this is who we are. Now, granted, they've leaned into that for what? How many years has Kurt been there? But it didn't always it didn't always look like this. Okay, they're they're used to be more offense. The the last two or three, but it's always been it's always been the same philosophy. We're going to run the ball. We're going to be efficient. We're going to play special teams and defense. It's always been that. It's just been really more criticized lately because the offense has been really bad. But the thing is, people can criticize all they want and say all the shit they want. You know what they can't take away. Iowa's six and one and leading the Big Ten West. So give him all the grief and all the crap you want about the offense. But guess what? He's winning football games. I can think of several teams, all of them, in the Big Ten West right now that wish they were six and one and would probably trade their season for Iowa's right now. And I think we got a lot of good coaches in the Big Ten West. They're new at their job. Okay. But I, I, I'm not going to name names here. And, and I, when I say this, I mean, go outside the Big Ten. Go to coaches in the Big 12 or ACC or whatever. Okay, I'm, I, I'll get to my point. How many coaches would have the mental discipline to stick to the game plan to not try to do too much? Because what I'm saying is we can't throw the ball. We, we All of our best guys are gone. The only way we can win these games is doing what we are doing. What I'm saying, Jordan, is like, there's a lot of coaches that wouldn't do it. They would try to ram a square peg in a round hole, and they'd be three and three or whatever because of it. At what point do you give Kirk Ferentz credit for him grasping the situation where he knows we can't throw the ball, this is how we have to do it, and they pull out the wins? I mean, I don't... I mean, some of the the greatest coaches in in football, not just college football, have to self-scout. And they have to understand what they have and who they are. The best coaches know who they are and what their team is. Kurt knows what his team is. He un- yep. he has to. He understands. We can't throw the ball, so piss yep. on it. We're going to run it 48 times. Yep. And guess what? It's working. For Dave Resnan, only four times since the year 2000, turn of the century, has Wisconsin been held without a touchdown at home. Out of those four times, twice have been from Iowa in this defense. Since 2015, Iowa is 69 giggle. Iowa is 69 and two when having a lead of eight or more points at any time in the game. That's ridiculous. Not eight points in the fourth quarter, just having an eight point lead any time in the game. They close it out at a 69 to two rate. That is that is some weird, crazy stuff right there. Like that's a that's a but when your though. team, but when your team is built around good defense and special teams, and you don't make those huge mistakes, how do you make comebacks? Like if you're down eight, 10, 12, 14 points, how do you how do you come back? You rely on a turnover or a big play on special teams. Iowa doesn't allow those because that's where they're that's where they're great at, and they're always great there. The offense has been down, but you you eliminate those things by having good defense and special teams. Speaking of offense being down, Deacon Hill, 6 of 14 for 37 yards. And like I joked on Twitter, I don't know what's more embarrassing, having 37 yards or losing to a team that has 37 yards passing. It's it's a crazy thing. Shout out to Eric All. He was obviously the number one target in this game. Catches two balls on the second catch. Blew his knee, leg out, dude. He He's down for the season. And nobody that has two working eyeballs in a brain Watches Iowa's offense and thinks it's in good shape, okay? Um, well, the passing attack. But h- how many, you know, we, we talked about Ohio State being down three running backs and, and their second best receiver. Iowa's down their two best receivers and their starting quarterback. Like, this this wasn't the offensive pieces that we wanted. So, like, 
that's a big part of the reason I can't throw the ball because the guys that we the guy that we thought was going to throw it and the two top guys that we thought were going to catch it are no longer available and it's sad but it's it's not going to look better it's just I hope maybe a touch better but the the throw game is never going to look good this year but holy cow I felt decent about Iowa running the ball in this game because Jimmy Leonard was not a part of it but I didn't expect this 48 carries 200 yards rushing a 4.2 yards average our 4.2 yard average Leshawn Williams 25 carries 174 yards a touchdown that touchdown being the 82 yarder uh, in the second quarter longest play in a Big 10 game for Iowa since 1974 that 82 yarder yeah got some stats to throw out yeah there was some uh, uh, Badger fans after the game that said it sucks. Basically, they popped that game, and that was enough. And it was crazy, but as the game went on, you felt like 14 points was going to be easily enough for Iowa to win this game. Yeah, I agree. because Well, and that's because this Wisconsin offense just never got any kind of rhythm going. I mean, Braylon Allen had a few moments where it's like, okay, that he, he got a little bit going, but Overall, they kept him in check. I mean, we saw Mordecai got hurt and left, and then, then Braden Lockie came in. I mean, that kid was just gunslinging. Yep. He, was, he was he was shooting from the hip and just letting it fly every time that he came in. But that's great again to Iowa's defense. I mean, they, they didn't give a whole lot for Wisconsin to try to take advantage of. So when they got that lead, they just kind of sat on it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, obviously the air raid is in year one, okay? Um, I don't think Wisconsin fans – should feel too weirded out about this. I'm, I'm being honest. Like, what do you expect? You can't expect a system like this to look that good in year one, going against a league that's pretty rugged. Okay. It's going to take these guys a little bit of time to adjust to this, but there is, there is this identity crisis going on with Wisconsin's offense that I saw Wisconsin fans pointing out on Twitter Fickle himself pointed it out after the game, basically saying we should have gotten out of our own way and ran the ball. Um, I don't know how much eyes you had on this game, but it actually hurt Iowa when uh, Mordecai went out of this game because they weren't even trying to rush the ball at the beginning of the game. They were trying to have Mordecai win it. It wasn't working. They switched to giving the ball to Braylon Allen more. They started moving the ball under Braylon Allen. He had a decent day. 18 carries, 87 yards. That's a 4.8-yard average. But at some point, you're down enough in the game that you have to start throwing, and they just they just couldn't get it done. It's it's still not Wisconsin. Not it's still Wisconsin is what I'm trying to say. It's not quite what Longo and and you know was brought in for what they wanted to look like. They're they're just not there yet. Yeah, and you can't expect them to be there. And like I said, the reason that a lot of the season's been the way it has been for them is because they leaned back into the identity of old-school Wisconsin and running the ball. And like you said, the only time we saw the real success is when they did that in this game. So, I don't know. This this season's not dead for Wisconsin. There's a long way to go. The West is wide open. Still, yep. Wide open. So, they they just – I mean, we'll see how bad the injury to Mordecai is. Yeah, yep. it looked like – I mean, he just had like – Hopefully, I, I didn't. I haven't heard like broken thumb or anything like that. Hopefully, it was well, he, just he a, said he like, you could see a mouth. I can't yeah, throw. I can't and his throw. arm was basically yeah. like dead. So I don't know if he pinched a nerve. I'm not sure. No, I was. He followed through and hit hit Jay Higgins' oh, okay. helmet. So, um, uh, by the way, uh, shout out to Iowa's defense. Um, one sack, four TFLs. Sebastian Castro. I'm I'm all over the field again. I, that dude is like Iowa fans were excited about him going into the season. He has even exceeded our expectations. He was incredible in this game, but the player of the game. <laughs> like, I mean, you just like uh, you, you. We would we should give up our podcasting if we did not bring up Tory Taylor. Big Kurt's probably mad that it took us this long. To he probably he probably is. He's probably yelling at us. Ten punts, five hundred and six yards of punting, a fifty point six yard average. More more math that Jordan and I can do. How many do you have? Six inside the 20. I think four of those were inside the 12 or 10. And one of them was a penalty that got pulled out. The the dude was lethal. I, I mean, he he completely changed this game. Yeah, when, when you have an, an opposing offense that's struggling to move the ball, what's the number one thing you do? You put them in a tight situation pinned against their own goal line. And then Torrey Taylor kept doing it over and over. And, and he, 
he come back to he like drop back to punt again. Like, okay, he can't. He's not going to do it again. Wind, is he? wind he, you then, know, like there's a lot of facts. Sure shit, he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, the announcers were. I mean, they were just fawning all over themselves, but rightfully so. The guy was just absolutely incredible. You might hear from him again. So, um, and 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 well, let me let me finish this. I'll, I'll just with the win, Iowa moves to six and one with the loss. Wisconsin moves to four and two. Um, two things on this game. Number one, I, I know I was dialed in and watching it as an Iowa fan. Okay, but I had non-Iowa fans texting me like. That was a fun game to watch, okay? And it was on the same time as Oregon-Washington. Oregon-Washington, two Big Ten teams playing, you know, uh, next year. That game was fun to watch. Jordan, why can't both games be fun and enjoyable football contests? One game was 7-0 at halftime. The other one was 22-18 at halftime with yards all over the place. Some guys like – some guys are are leg guys. Some guys are boob guys. like what you like, and, and maybe you like both at times. You know, like so I don't. The understand. analogy that I always give is that's why they make different flavors of ice cream. Because yes. some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, some people like Neapolitan, and want a little bit of everything. Same thing. There's different just, ways to enjoy a football game. I just don't understand why one gets screamed at and the other one gets you know lauded. Um, and then the other thing, I would have said this if Wisconsin won. I swear. But everybody is talking this thing up in mid-October that the West race is over. It is not over, okay? It is not over. There is a lot of football left to be played. One injury here. One guy suddenly looking better there. This thing is wide open. Stop talking like I always got it done. I know that I'm trying to like reverse psychology this a little bit. I swear I would have said this even if Wisconsin won the game. I don't know how. I mean, our listeners are Big Ten fans, so I have to think that they're realistic enough to understand this is the Big Ten West. Anything, and I mean anything, can yes. and probably will happen the rest of the season. There, I will, I will make anybody out here a bet that the way the Big Ten West standings are right now in this moment is not how they will look at the end of the year. And no I would- chance at all. And if you take that bet, the bet I would take is I guarantee you it will go into the last weekend of the season. Yep. We still have not determined the Big Ten West who is going to be in Indianapolis. Completely possible. Completely possible. All right. Weekly Eisman, take it over. All right. So we did talk. We hit on all these throughout the episode, but a few guys we needed to to highlight. Sean Williams, 25 carries, 174 yards and a touchdown. Iowa fans had to love to see it. Get a little bit of spark out of the offense. Uh, Sebastian Castro, I mean, everything he did, seven tackles, two TFLs, the interception. There was a lot more than just that stat line. The dude's in on every play. Uh, one of my favorites, and I think as a pod favorites, Kyle, the fun guy, Manung guy, 24 carries, 148 yards and a touchdown. The dude just continues to be fun. He's literally fun to watch. That's and why I, he's got the nickname because it, not just because of his running style, he picks up blocks. Yep. He just does it all. Yep. He's great to watch. Good interview after the game too. I just like I'm going to have to go back and yep. see that. I didn't see it. Yep. Um, we're going to shout out the big three QBs, um, JJ McCarthy, Drew Allard, Kyle McCord. They all just did what they needed to do in games that they needed to win. They all were extremely efficient, got the job done and continued their teams moving on. Two of them are headed for a big showdown next week, so good chance for a letdown that they didn't let happen. So good to see and we, those three. we mushed them all together, but let's be honest. It's not a coincidence that the three best teams in this league are led by the three best quarterbacks in this league. Okay? I now, can draw a pretty I mean, direct College line. football is a game where quarterbacks really dominate the sport, and it's I mean, it's showing it with this. But those but, quarterbacks, they get too much love. Sometimes I don't dis- I don't disagree with you there. There is a little too much love for quarterbacks, but it is that that's the sport is driven by them, unfortunately. Yep. So the winner this week, I mean, we wouldn't be the eyes on big pod if we didn't give it to Tory Taylor. You don't have 500 yards, 506 yards of punting. In a Big Ten West game, that's the Big Ten game of the week, and not get the Big Ten Eisman of the week. It just have to fifty point six average. That many inside the ten. The I mean, the numbers are impressive themselves, but the situation in which he did it and how important it was to the overall outcome of the game is even bigger because 
if he's an even average to below average punter, Iowa might lose that game. Definitely, definitely. And that's not game. crazy to say that. Yep. So it's gonna be it's gonna be Tory Taylor gets the Eisman this week for the miracle of punting porn that he put on this week. And what's gonna be interesting is uh we had a guy with two punt return touchdowns. I'm hoping they have a co-special teams. I, I mean they both deserve special teams player of the week, but I was probably gonna get defensive player of the week as well. I think there's a chance Iowa could get offense, defense, and special teams. I'm not sure LeSean Williams will get it, but He's in the running. It'll be interesting to see it for me as an Iowa fan. All right, last segment here that we do on the Sunday podcast is my weekly power rankings. One, two, and three has not changed. Michigan one, Penn State two, Ohio State three. Um, there's a chance that might not change next week either. Uh, there's a chance that two and three just switch, but I can almost guarantee you that those three teams will remain on a tier themselves regardless of how the football contests wind up next week. Next team, uh, next tier, tier two is four, five, six, and seven. Iowa four, Wisconsin five. So Wisconsin actually stays put at five. Rutgers moves up to six. Maryland drops all the way three spots down to seven. I still got Maryland in that second tier because of the win-loss record. Okay, it still matters to me. But suddenly you look at Maryland and the games they've, the teams that they've beat, as opposed to the teams they've been able to beat, and it, I, I think it warrants them dropping down quite a bit. Any any major I, issues I agree, so far? I agree with that move 100%. Next tier is pretty much the rest of the conference. Eight, Minnesota, nine, Nebraska. Didn't play idle last week. They sit right where they're at. I think their fans actually enjoyed sitting back and just watching the craziness that was Big Ten football. Illinois, this is where it gets tough, okay? I've got Illinois moving up three spots to number 10. I did see something out of them where I'm like, okay, I think there's something there, but it just gets tough because I got Michigan State at 11. Why? Partly because of what we talked about in this podcast. When Michigan State is not turning the ball over, I think they're good. And that factors in to my power ratings. I'll pa- I'll pause right there, 8, 9, 10, 11. You got any issues right there? No, not really. I, I think Illinois – Stop. Illinois is the hardest read for me because if you go off of what they were preseason, sure they should be that high. But if you go off of the whole body of work of what you've seen on the field, I could argue them to be a little lower. And I wouldn't fight you too much. In fact, the 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 land of Lincoln, both teams confuse me. Illinois at ten, I got Northwestern, the next team up at at twelve. I could have them higher. They're three and three, but I also have to look at who they've beat. It's it's right. not the most impressive list of teams either. And then this is where it gets. Confusing for me. I've got Purdue at 13 and Indiana 14. I got no issues there. But do does Purdue belong on the last tier with Indiana or just move Indiana to the bottom of the third tier? I put poor Indiana all by itself on the fourth tier, partly because I think that was their shot last week or, or this yesterday versus Michigan. I think I see a coaching change happen very soon, and then I think I see the tire, you know, the the this thing going off the rails. So that that is partly built into my power rankings. But Purdue is not exactly looking like you know the how Purdue fans wanted Purdue to look either. Well, I'll steal your line again. Me thinks after the next couple of weeks, Purdue will join them on that line. I think there's some definite possibilities of that happening. Um, and then last last thing is I put out a joke tweet that has a touch of you know, honesty to it. Uh, essentially, I'm just saying everybody not named Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State is essentially the rest of these teams are in the Big West because I'm not going to listen to Michigan State or Indiana or now newly minted Big West team, Maryland. I'm not listening to any of these fans make fun of the Big Ten West because guess what? It's all the Big Ten West outside those top three teams. That's just the facts. Don't feel bad, though. Look around the conferences Get past the first two, three, or four teams in the ACC. Get past the first two or three, four teams in the SEC. The Big 12 is junk after the first th- two, three teams for sure, if not two. Kansas is decent when their quarterback is healthy, but he hasn't been healthy. So that's not a But he's never healthy. Right? He's never healthy. The only conference that has anything to say about conference toughness from top to bottom is, is the Pac-12. Okay? It's the one that's going away. And, and it's the, the one that's going away. It's all the Big Ten West after the top two or three teams in these conferences. That's the point that I'm trying to make. So, like, people think I'm I'm saying it, like, to make fun of the conference. It's like that everywhere, especially with the Big 12. 
just shut your pie hole. Iowa State fans and Big 12 fans, oh my gosh, teams four through the bottom of that conference are dog crap. Like, I, I'm not hearing this stuff. Yeah, I conference. think of the power fives. I think the Big 12 is the worst from one to ten or whatever it is. I don't think it, there's any. I mean, Iowa State got, I mean, Iowa State was down. I'm, yeah, I'm going to throw shade at Iowa State. They're down 20 to three at home to Iowa. They turned around, got beat by Ohio. You know when they've gone on their winning streak? When they've gotten it's into the Big 12. 12. Don't tell me that's a complete coincidence. I think there's things they're doing differently. Well, their schedule got wrong. easier. You know, they're, when they got to the easier part of their schedule, they started winning games, of course. That makes sense. You don't just walk out of the MAC and into the Big 12 and not expect things to lighten yeah. up for them. Yeah. All right, man, that's all I got. Is there anything else you want to add here at the end of the pod? No, I don't think so. You know, we got the bad weather week. Seems like we always have one every season yes. where the weather's just miserable and it's kind of you kind of get down on the games, but I think the games delivered. I mean, there were some yes. blowouts, but there were some good ones. I mean, so the, the yep. schedules now we're we're into this back oh, quarterback yeah. third of the season. These schedules, some of these teams that haven't played anybody, I'm raising my hand. These schedules are going to get tougher, and we got a real barn burner of that first one next oh, yeah. week. I can't wait. I'm can't excited. Wait I'm ready. Yeah, I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.